Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Now it happened... As he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. Would you underline that? They watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had, what saints? Dropsy. Are y'all looking at verse 2? Okay, the man had what? Thank you. All right, y'all going to be a tough crowd this afternoon. We're going to be here for a minute, all right? And Jesus, in verse 3, answering, and Jesus answering, spoke to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it a lawful, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him, and he healed him, and he let him go. And then he answered them, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. Saints, let's stop right there and give me your attention. Were you here with me last week? Just by a show of hands. Were you here with me last week? That's good. That's a good number of you. And then you know that we left off with Jesus standing over the city that was to be the light of the world, that would be Jerusalem. And at this point, uh, they were in complete darkness. And Jesus begins to weep. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And his heart was breaking. He says, how I desire to gather you as a mother hen would gather her chicks, but you were not willing. And Jesus is weeping because he can look down the quarters of time and he can see their rejection meant them being cut off and cast off. And Jesus said to them, you won't see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who's come in the name of the Lord. Perhaps you might want to pick up the CD uh, from last week if you weren't here. It brings us to chapter 14. And we find Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee for dinner. Now, if you're taking notes, you write this down. This is the third time in Luke that Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee for dinner. Now, what do we learn from that? Jesus never turns down a meal. Amen. Jesus likes to eat. That's why many of us are much like Jesus, because Jesus likes to eat. So it's the Sabbath. And Jesus is invited to a meal after church. Now, sometime, listen, people had Jesus over to learn more about the truth of God. And sometime people had Jesus over for dinner to criticize and to condemn and to spy on him. It's the difference of having Jesus over for dinner or having Jesus for dinner. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some time ago, I think I mentioned to you, Miss Elvira and I are often asked to come over to people's house and you know, sometimes I got to be honest with you. Sometimes we're kind of wondering, you know, when we're on our way over there, we're like, okay, 
Are we being invited over for dinner, like chicken or fish? Or are we going to be dinner? Because some people, you know, you get to their house and you're like, well, I mean, I've been meaning to tell you this. And they invited you to their house so they can eat you for dinner. And so sometimes that does happen. And the truth is, listen, sometimes people, people come to church to find fault with the church. And that's true. Sometimes people do. Sometimes people come to church. People come to church, listen, for all different reasons. Sometimes people come to church and people have come to this church wondering How did, matter of fact, I've been asked this by people. Matter of fact, the News and Observer did a story on us some years ago because they wanted to know how did I get the white people and the black people to come to church in the same place? I kid you not. They asked me, they said, how did you get the white folks and the black folks to come to church at the same time? In the same place, under the same roof. People come to church, they're they're wanting, because when you come by here, I mean, I've had people say, you know, they drove by the church, and some people actually thought our church was like a nightclub. Because we have the cafe up front, and I know y'all religious folks, y'all don't even know what a nightclub is, y'all never even been to one, I know. But I'm just chatting, just, just, y'all just bear with me, okay? So, you know, we got the cafe up front, and you got the, the, the bottles of, uh, 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 the, what do you call the mix? The syrup, the syrup, the syrup, the syrup. And you put it in the, um, the lattes. I never even had one of these things. I got that cafe for y'all, okay? So y'all need to thank me. No, 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 really, you don't, no, don't, don't say it. it's okay. So anyway, we got the bottles sitting there, and it looks like, I guess when you drive by, it does look like bottles of liquor. No, I didn't say liquor. I said liquor. It looks like liquor. Like that moonshine liquor. You know, and it looks like that. So people are like, man, I, I would tell people where the church is. I'm like, oh, the church is on 1010. And they were like, oh, that, that's right there, Calvary Chapel. We're going right Oh, really? Isn't there a nightclub in there? I'm like, no, it's a church. But people come to church for different reasons, and people come to church wondering. People have asked that question. As a matter of fact, the youth, get this, this weekend, this week, the youth were on a youth retreat, and I heard, as the youth pastor is here, and I heard from my own kids that the youth retreat, God did a work, and it was awesome. Somebody clap your hands like you're excited. God did an awesome, awesome work in the youth, and it was great. So my daughter told me last night that um, one of the staff, people, they were Black Mountain, that one of the staff people, um, that they were amazed that the black kids and the white kids, they, they, they told her that they were amazed the black kids and the white kids were all, you know, fellowshipping together, and they were just amazed at the, the unity among the black people. Isn't it a sad thing that Sunday morning, it is true, that Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week, and 11 o'clock on Sunday is the most segregated hour of that week. That is a sad thing when you, and especially here in the South, and you guys know I'm very vocal about it, when, when, when you have the church, the church that Jesus died for, and you have the black church and the white church. Listen, if you are a member of the body of Christ and you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you are born again, then it is one church. It is not the black church and it is not the white church. Somebody clap your hands like you mean it. It's one church. It's not the black church. It's not the white church. It's God's church. And when black folks start segregating from white church, listen, it's not about you. 
Church is not about you. Nobody cares whether you are black or white. When you come to this, when this, you come to this church, this church, we care about the B-I-B-L-E. We do not care whether you are black or white. You are not that important. Some folks come in, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Everybody, no, I'm here. Nobody don't care about you being here. If you ever heard a pastor say that, we do not care that you're here. Leave when you want. <laughs> we don't care. I mean, people are like, church is not about you. Church is about Jesus. Any church that's worth its weight, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Church is not about you. Church is about Jesus. It's all about the word of God. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, people come to church for many different reasons. I love this church for that very reason. There are all kinds of people in this church. There are doctors in this church. There are lawyers in this church. Doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs. I had to throw that in there. I love this church for that reason. You could be worshiping. Nobody cares about what you do for a profession, how much money you make. There are a lot of churches that they're socialized and social status and economic status. You know, all the wealthy people go to this church and all the poor folk go to that church and the white collar workers go to this church and the blue collar workers go to that church and the black folks go to this church and the white folks go to that church. That's a shame before the living God. Jesus died for the church. And by the way, his blood was red. When the color, no matter, Jesus died for the church, for people, that they might come and know him. People come to church for all kinds of reasons. People come to church to find fault with the pastor. Good luck. (laughs) But on rare occasion, it does happen. You know, I remember this time, this one guy, we were back in the gas station church, and I don't know if there's a handful of y'all that remember, even any of you that remember the, when we were meeting in the gas station church, but there was this one guy who wanted to meet me for lunch, and he wanted to have me for lunch. Y'all know what I mean. And, and, and this guy, talking about fault finding, this guy came to this meeting with a legal pad, and he had written down 76 things that he saw me do wrong. That's what I said. So he says, well, I just want to talk to you. And I've got to share with you. The Bible says, go to your brother. And he starts quoting all these scriptures. And in my mind, when he told me he had 76 things that I did wrong, and he wanted to talk to me. And the Bible says, go talk to your brother and all that. When he got to that, I'm like, wah, 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 wah. I'm just, li- I'm listening at him. And in my mind, I'm going, se- all I'm thinking is 76 things. That is stalkerish. <laughs> is that a word? I don't care. I don't even care. That's just stalkerish. That's creepy. When you have 76 things and you, I mean, he was like, well, on this date, I saw you look that way. And when you look that way, you looked like you had something wrong in your mind and something evil. And then you, this time you said this and you said that. And I said, what is wrong with you? You need medication. People come to church to find fault with all kinds of things. And, call, and, and notice in verse 1 in your Bibles, notice they watched, please, are you looking at verse 1? They watched him closely. 
Jesus was under constant observation and people wanted to know what he would do in different situations. And after watching Jesus in different situations, they would form their opinions about God based on what they saw. Now, Christian, do you understand that you are under constant observation and people form their opinions about God based on what they see in you? Where do you get that from, Rodney? Second Corinthians chapter three, verse two and three, it says, and I have it on the screen for you. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. I mean, think about this. Every single one of us is a living letter, a living epistle. People are reading you. So the question is, what are they reading? What are they reading? You know, somebody once wrote this. They said, you are writing a gospel, a chapter every day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men read what you write, whether faithful or true. Just what is the gospel? according to you. People reading your life. When you say you're a Christian, listen to me, look at me. When you say you're a Christian and people look at your life, they ought to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. They ought to be able to see Christ in you. They ought to see, you know, when you're going through problems, try to hold your head up and smile because that's a witness That people are looking at you and you're going through problems and yet you're holding your head up and you're smiling and you're trusting the Lord. That's a witness to them because when they go through trials, they're going to look at you and say, how is it that you hold your head up and you smile when you're going through trials? And then you get to tell them, it's Jesus. Jesus holds me up. You're a witness. Did you hear me? You're a witness. Always people are watching you. And as a Christian, they have every right to watch you. Some people say, oh, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Listen, if you say you're a Christian, they have a right to judge you and they should judge you because you say you're a Christian and Christians are expected to be Christ-like and live like Christ and do what Christ would do and act the way Christ would act. So once again in our text, Jesus is invited for dinner, but they only invited him to find something to accuse him because they were watching him closely. Verse two, there was a certain man before him. In other words, listen, they planted this man right in line of sight of Jesus. And this man, Calvary Chapel, help me out. This man had a disease called what? Dropsy. The word dropsy, if you're taking notes, means filled with fluid, like edema, maybe elephantitis. His arms were swollen, his face was swollen, his legs were swollen. Dropsy would cause fluid to build up around the kidney, around the liver, around the heart. So they placed this man right in line of sight of Jesus. They used this man for bait. Bait? Yeah. Because, listen, no religious Pharisee would invite a man like this to a dinner because they considered him a sinner. And so he's a plant. And they placed him right in front of Jesus. And, 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 and right in front, they placed him in front of Jesus because they knew that Jesus was compassionate. And Jesus couldn't be in the presence of sickness or suffering and do nothing. And they're thinking, if, they're thinking it's the Sabbath 
And if Jesus heals him on the Sabbath, we got him. And here's my sanctified imagination for you. The man is sitting right across from Jesus, and maybe he's thinking, I heard about this guy. Y'all listening to me. I heard about this guy, Jesus, and he heals the sick, and he raises the dead, and people come to him, and he touches them, and he heals them. And maybe this man was sitting there thinking, maybe today I'll get healed, like I've been hearing about. Maybe, and, and maybe hope is stirring. When we sing that song just now, hope is stirring. Hope is stirring in this man's heart right now. Look at verse 3. And Jesus answering spoke to them. Jesus answered. Was there a question asked verbally? The answer is no. So obviously Jesus knew they were questioning in their hearts. And that's why there's no point in hiding anything from God, because God knows everything. Can the church say amen? God knows everything. We call that omniscient. God is omniscient. He knows everything. I mean, think about that. Wouldn't it be intimidating to have lunch with someone who knows everything you're thinking? So Jesus answered their unasked question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And in verse 4, they kept silent, and Jesus took him, and Jesus touched his life, and Jesus drained all that fluid out of his life, and Jesus healed him. And can I tell you something? I'm going to move on. But can I tell you this? Jesus will touch you, and Jesus will drain all of that sin right out of your life. Jesus will drain all that guilt and that sin and that shame out of your life, and then he'll fill you with the Holy Spirit, and he'll let you go. And he'll set you free just like he did this man. And think about this. The Pharisees put him right in front of Jesus to trap Jesus. But what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Did you hear me? What they meant for evil, God meant for good. Because they were trying to trap Jesus when in fact, this man is probably thinking, good thing they put me in front of Jesus. But what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Let me tell you something. Do I have to tell you? What Satan means for evil, God means for good. God has turned around so many bad situations in my life just like that. And what men meant for evil, God has meant for good for Pastor Rodney. And he will do the same thing for you. Because that's just the kind of God we serve. Y'all mighty quiet. Look at verse 5 and 6. Jesus looked at them and said, which one of you? If you had a donkey or an ox that had fallen into a pit, wouldn't put them, pull them out on the Sabbath. And listen, a donkey or an ox was like their tractor in their day. And Jesus is saying, listen, you will do things that are convenient for you and you'll do things that will take care of your property. It's idiotic to think it's okay to help an animal that has fallen into a pit on the Sabbath. But what about a life that has fallen into a pit? What about someone who needs something to sustain life? Is it not okay to help a man that's hurting? Your rules and your pseudo-spirituality is all messed up. And listen, guys, today, I think people, I think our culture is all messed up. I really do. People are more concerned, listen, people are more concerned today with animals than they are with people. You agree with that? People are more concerned with animals. Get this, in Oregon, I just learned this yesterday. 
in Oregon, there is a legislation that states that you can get up to five years in prison for killing the egg of a spotted owl. Five years in prison for killing the egg of a spotted owl. I read this story, true story from a newspaper article. Get this, a man for years has been chaining his bicycle to a tree out front of his shop until some tree hugger got bugged with him and decided that he was damaging the bark of this poor tree and thereby would inflict some type of illness on the tree and the tree might get sick and fall down on an innocent person. And so he went to court, they took him to court and the judge ordered, true story, the judge ordered that the man hug the tree 21 times and kiss it five times and apologize to the tree. Is that not twisted? That's just weird. I mean, we live in a country where we are concerned about saving the spotted owl, saving the whale, the oil spills. Oh, that's big news. The oil spills and the birds. All the birds are dying and fish are dying. And and even marketing advertisers are taking advantage of a bad situation. I think it's Dawn, the commercial Dawn, the, the, the product dish soap Dawn. And they are, they're, one of their commercials is, you know, use Dawn to wash off the animals. Wash off the little birds and Dawn will get the oil off and break through the oil and all this stuff. We are so concerned with the spotted owl, with the whale, with, with, the, with, with the animals and with birds. And meanwhile, we forget that 34 million babies have been killed within 20 years. So kill the babies, save the whales. Are y'all getting me? This is a problem. We live in a weird culture. Jesus is saying you put more value on the life of an ox than the life of a sick man. I got to move forward. Look at verse 7 through 14. Look at verse 7. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. So he told a parable to those who were invited. And he noted. Will you underline that? When he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best places, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place. Are y'all getting that? Go sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For in verse 11, great verse memory, verse matter of fact, read it with me, verse 11. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Well, then in verse 12, he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brother, your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So notice Jesus begins to speak in parables. Now, Calvary Chapel folks, listen, help me out here. 
a parable. I've told you what it meant. A parable is what? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And this is an earthly picture. A parable is an earthly picture that we might understand a heavenly truth. You know, somebody once said that Jesus was a storytelling man. Don't you like that? He was a storyteller man. Jesus loved to tell stories. And one of the things, one of the many things that I love about Jesus is Jesus was a simple teacher. Preacher, minister, Bible teacher. When you teach, be simple. Be, bring it down. You know, my pastor, his name is Pastor Bob Chapel, And... Bob went to be with the Lord in March, and I was in India, actually. And he died of uh, complications with liver and kidneys. He had gotten some parasite or something, actually, in India, and he never really recovered from it. And one of the things that I will remember that Pastor Bob taught me early, early, are you listening? One of the things I remember him teaching me early in my ministry is he said, Rodney, when you teach the Bible, put the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. That means bring it down. You know, so often, you know, our teaching is so high. People can't get it. You know, I watch Christian television. Y'all know, I tell you, in the mornings I'm getting ready for church and you know, I'm brushing my teeth. I turn my TV. I've just got all TV preachers on all the time. My wife asked me, why you do that to yourself? All the time, I'm watching TV. I'm brushing my teeth, and they're teaching something, and I'm listening at this stuff. And this nowadays, teaching in the church, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Teaching in the church is weird. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.